Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Okay, hey, I want to welcome everyone to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host here always, Chris Flaming. And today I have the honor of welcoming Miriam Goldbarg to the show. She is a tax resolutions attorney, able to represent clients in all 50 states. Miriam uses her extensive expertise to provide practical and expedient solutions with unwavering loyalty to her clients. Miriam, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. So I'm sure you have kind of interesting backstory. You certainly do that it would be different maybe from someone who was born in the U.S. So maybe take us through that and how you got to where you are today. Okay. First of all, I really appreciate you having me here. And I actually want to start from where I came from. You know, mm-hmm. I I was born actually in Iran and um, I studied law back home and I actually had the honor to practice for only a few months because of the corrupt judicial system. I really mm-hmm. prefer not to. So mostly actually when I was in law school, I was working as an editor-in-chief in in the biggest law uh, publication company in Iran, Mm -hmm. but I really didn't practice much. After graduation, actually, after a few months, I left the country and I came here in 2001. And then after learning the language, because I really didn't know much, I actually studied in Notre Dame. Uh, for my LLM, Master in Human Rights and Civil Rights in Notre Dame Law School back uh, in Indiana. After graduation in 2005, actually exactly 15 days after, I started working as a human rights practitioner in Connecticut for almost three years. Uh And I was actually doing mostly research and public uh, and documenting human rights abuses around the world and mainly in Iran. After that, actually, after I was completely burned out with the situation mm-hmm. and with the family that I had, you know, I never, I don't, at least I didn't have any family member back, you know, in 2008. I had to actually kind of stop working and join my husband because we were separating were separate in two different states. I was working mm-hmm. in Connecticut and he was in Chicago. So it was a really great time. I came back to Chicago, joined my husband. And for a few years, actually, I just raised my daughter. And because I cannot do nothing, I was actually taking some management and accounting courses because I'm all, I was always good with numbers. And I still, I still love actually playing with numbers. Mm-hmm. Thinking actually, instead of being an attorney, I can be a CPA. So I took all the requirements, but never sat for the CTA because I realized that instead of being a CPA, I can be an enroll agent. It actually was an easy way 
And actually, I did all three exams in 17 days because it wasn't really something that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So after that, since 2013, I have been practicing, uh, representing, practicing and actually representing clients all over U.S. with different, actually, companies and resolving IRS tax problem with them, for them. In 2019, actually, after a few years postponing, actually not taking care of that, I sat for the bar exam in New York because that was at least back then the only state other than California that I could sit and put them, sit for the bar because I mm. didn't get the JD here. Mm-hmm. I sat for the bar. I am actually licensed in New York and Texas because my office actually is in Texas right now. Okay. I still am an enroll agent and a tax attorney working for at least almost 10 years, uh, resolving IRS problem and other estates actually issue for the clients. Okay, awesome. Thank you. That's a brief and I guess world world encompassing history there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, is there, if you could go back in time and maybe give the younger Miriam some advice, right? Mm-hmm. Something that you know now that you wish you would have known back then, what do you think that that would be? Maybe actually starting practicing for myself a little you know, earlier than almost two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, when I take a case, you know, it doesn't matter where I'm working. You know, I own the case. When mm-hmm. I'm working with someone, you know, I usually start work before the owner and leave the work after the owner. So I actually use a lot of my time for other people advancing something that it wasn't really benefiting me or even client. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a human rights, you know, practitioner kind of, I still am, I would actually be able to help more because I could accept pro bono cases because a lot of places wouldn't accept that when I was mm. working with them. Yeah. So maybe that's the two parts. Other than that, I would actually stay in the same practice. I love what I do. Good. Yeah. Well, life's too short to do something that you don't love. That's for sure. I love that. So you touched on this a little bit. Maybe you could give me a description of your most typical client you work with. Is it a business? Is it, Are they individuals? Are they families? Is it spread out all over the place? What's a, a typical... Actually all over the place. But uh, the people actually are who are most in trouble actually are uh, self-employed people. Mm. Individual self-employed people or recently, uh, you know, incorporating business, uh, you know, very recent for two or three years max and people who don't know exactly what to handle the tax part of their business. Uh, usually they come and when I tell them that you haven't made any estimated tax payment, they say, what is that? Right. And that is very surprising because when you are running a business, the tax is a very important part of the business. Yeah. And most of them actually come to see me without knowing or with a lot of mis, uh, you know, inception. You know, I they, they really don't know what they are talking about. You know, so mostly actually individual and business owner, a small business owner. You know, I'm a okay. solo practitioner with two help. So the bigger company and bigger individual actually don't really reach me. And if they do, I decline because I don't have a lot of resources to, you know, manage, a, let's say, a $10 million uh, liability cases. I really right. prefer not to. Uh, but the other one, you know, the people actually I can help it way more and way more efficient. And I would okay. love them, actually. Okay. And you, you touched on this a little bit in something that you said. So is there a, a common or a big misconception that people have with either what you do or when they first start working with you? 
Actually, when I tell people that I'm a tax attorney, a lot of things that they think that actually I do the tax preparation, that's right. not the job. And right. I do sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. because I have other people to work, you know, working with me. I am a solo mm-hmm. practitioner, but I still working with other people, actually. And I have resources, but they think actually I do the tax preparation. And a lot of them actually don't know even what the tax attorney does. Some of them actually think that I'm only on the property tax, you know, attorney, yeah. that I am not anyway. Uh, and a lot of people, they don't know that they can actually have a representation before the IRS. So it's a little hard to explain to them. When they call me, actually, they know what they are looking for. Right. That they have done actually their research and they looked everywhere. And a lot of them actually review my very simple website because I try to explain stuff very simple for yeah. knowledge, you know, for kind of educate people who are who don't know. If they knew, they, mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't need to go to my website, right? So yeah. it's very simple. So usually when they call me, they usually know what they want. Okay. Usually they're clueless. If they're in a tax liability situation, usually they're kind of clueless on how that process works, right? On what the steps that they have to go through. So maybe you can kind of walk us through that on a, on a high level um, on how you explain to them, here's what's going to happen right, mm-hmm. in, in this process. So whoever actually calls my office with a liability or some kind of issue with the IRS, they have actually noticed that, you know, for example, IRS is auditing them or they come actually with a big notice that you owe this much of liability. Most of them, they know actually what the problem comes from, but not exactly how to resolve that. Unless they are really, they can actually really prove that they know what the problem is, I start with the investigation. So it's almost 99% of the time I tell them that although you are telling me that you received this notice, but I have to know exactly what years, what kind of liability, if there is any lien, if there was any other issue that you are not telling me because you don't know or forget to tell me. Mm-hmm. So starting with the investigation, I usually actually file a tax authorization or a power of attorney, depends on the urgency of matter, and get all the information from IRS, usually calling IRS. There's a special line for the for the practitioner, so uh, I'm not doing anything that jeopardizes the, their liability, so nothing happens after my call or actually checking their account. But after that, I will provide them with a report and explain to them what exactly their situation is and how we can resolve it based on the IRS guideline, mm-hmm. based on their finances, based on their situation. And if they want to move forward, then we actually make a plan because usually all the resolution, especially if we are going for the settlement or some kind of kind of actually arrangement with the IRS, we need to do a little of tax planning. So I do actually pre-resolution planning. I'm not really doing the tax planning at that time. It's a pre-resolution tax planning. So we manage actually or the finances. And if they qualify for any program, then actually I negotiate that program mm. with the IRS. Okay. That's really succinct. Now, I'm sure that during that whole process, while that's going on, Miriam, the clients can be very emotional or have some emotion tied to that. So how do you kind of help them deal with the emotional roller coaster of going through that? After actually um, we discuss the matter and if they would like to work with me, the first thing that I do, actually, I assure them that after working with me, they do not need to talk to IRS. I think that's the best, the most effective way of 
actually calming down because yeah. they are really scared of what happens. And I told them, I'm, I'm, while they are working with me, IRS actually, I can manage IRS and actually they usually don't get lean. They mm-hmm. lean actually is going to be, I'm sure, they're not going to get levied or anything. Yeah. And I will take care of their issue as long as they're working with me, because right. one of the most difficult parts of my job is they think that when they hire me, when they actually return me, the whole problem goes away. Goes but no, it's actually a starting the work. And actually, mm-hmm. I, I assure, actually, I will make sure that when we start the working, they know that if they don't provide the documentation to me, I cannot do anything, right. you know. So yeah. they have to work with me. And even I told them, sometimes I feel like I am an IRS agent yeah. chasing you guys to get the right. documentation. Yeah. Although it's not, yeah. it's, it feel like that. Right. But usually after we start working together, they're actually very, very calm because they know that it's being taken care of by someone who knows what what she's doing okay well and and if they're giving you incomplete information you're going to get an incomplete result right you don't don't have all the info yeah it doesn't happen i never actually let them go so (laughs) right right well and now they've hired all the irs agents so i'm looking (laughs) for when they're gonna they're gonna come in any minute now it's got a lot of people eighty thousand. although Hopefully they put a lot of those people in uh, in the building where they answer the phones. I really hope for that, but I hope that they train a lot of them because uh, just answering the phone doesn't resolve the problem. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah so hopefully they are going to be trained, and hopefully all of the uh, you know tax return and amended return are going to be processed because a lot of my client actually, or at least prospecting client, calling me regarding the tax return yeah. that hadn't been you know, process. So hopefully if they do that, a lot of problems would be resolved. And Mm -hmm. hopefully we don't stay forever on hold. Doesn't have the knowledge. Yeah. Nothing's worse than being on hold for an hour and a half. And then the person can't help you that you end up talking to. That's just like a a double poke in the back with a knife. Uh, Okay. So on the flip side of that, um, you know, you've seen the, the good and the bad in terms of the way people operate their businesses. So what are some maybe some simple things that you know business owners can do to avoid being put in a situation where they are going to have a tax mm-hmm. liability or you know a problem from back taxes? Okay, uh, not only in you know business owner whoever actually lives in U.S. should yeah. actually be proactive. You know, unfortunately, people actually go to see. If they don't file their taxes themselves, they go see their tax preparation preparer or their accountant once a year. Wrong. They yeah. should actually meet them, you know, especially when they have a big event. Let's say they mm-hmm. they start a business, they are getting divorced, you know, they have a yeah. new member in the family, and someone, God forbid, dies. You know, any big event actually, you have to talk to someone. Or at least do their research, their, you know, by their own, and find out what is going to be the tax implication. If everybody actually be pro- proactive regarding their situation, we should actually have way less than problem that we have right now. You know, I'm sure that one of the other things that actually is very important, and I don't understand why people actually avoid that, is opening their letter. You know, if they open, that, <laughs> you know, so well, they look at it. And it's from the IRS, and they're like, oh. Ah. They don't open it. They really don't right. open it. I have actually a few clients uh, sending me tons of, you know, yeah, unopened. unopened letter. Right, right. Yeah, and yeah. I don't understand why 
not opening the letter doesn't resolve the issue. Another thing is not receiving the IRS letters doesn't resolve the issue. So if they move, they need to change the address. If they don't send, if they don't receive the letter, they there is no uh, you know defense on that. You should yeah. update your IRS up. You know your right. with the IRS your address. If you don't do that. You know, you don't have any defense. So opening the letter, first of all, receiving the letter, opening the letter, and be proactive about any changes in your situation. If mm-hmm. you are self-employed, paying the estimated tax payment is very, very important. Mm-hmm. If they don't, of course, at the end of the year, especially if they have a good business, you usually can't pay the whole liability in once, and it's going to be a problem. And they are going to be, of course, having penalty and interest. Another thing mm-hmm. is filing the tax return, even if you don't have the money. Right. You know, at least you avoid late filing penalty, yeah. and you start the clock ticking because mm-hmm. IRS has only ten years. If you don't file a return, there is no ten years right. that you know goes away. Yeah. So all of those little things actually help avoiding those tax problems. Yeah. It's funny, people, if they, just, they think they can ignore it, it'll go away. I sometimes have conversations with clients and they're like, well, I was anxious to talk to you because I haven't been opening my statements. And, you know, I've heard, I heard the economy was bad, so I don't know what we're going to talk about today. Hopefully I'm still okay, which they are. Okay, so let's switch gears just a little bit. Just for the education of our audience, um, I'm hoping maybe you could just explain to us simply, what is a, what's a tax lien? Okay. Mm-hmm. And what assets or things can actually be leaned upon or, you know, can a lien be put on? The lien actually is a legal claim against your property. Okay. okay. So when you have a liability with IRS, you automatically by a statute actually have a lien. But until IRS actually file a notice of tax lien, no other creditors knows about the lien. That's why okay. they file a tax lien in a county that there is a property located, right? Mm-hmm. So unless IRS actually file that notice of a federal tax lien, there is no real claim against the properties and they can actually lose against other creditors. That's why actually they file the lien. The lien actually can be against all the property that you have. Okay. Okay. So it is actually really against your social security. But yeah. the good news is uh, they are not, although they are public, the credit agencies actually don't report that and they don't, find, you know, they really can't see it on the record anymore. Okay. But when you, when you are trying to get a loan or actually go deeper, they can actually find the link. So you're saying it could be, it's against property, which is like mm-hmm. real estate, physical property, or it could right. also be against assets? as well or um the property the asset okay consider that you know the property right against okay. all of the asset that you have and as okay. i mentioned even without the filing a notice of tax lien irs has by a statute against all of your property and asset okay. they okay. have the lien they have a claim yeah. it means that until you satisfy the liability with the irs through either program or paying the irs they can actually take them asset from you, but they don't. They have to issue the levy and go through the process of seizure and, you know, all of those stuff, all of the notices and everything. So they usually don't do anything with the lien unless you try to sell the property. When they okay. try to sell the property, they can actually satisfy their claim. Yeah, right. That's when they'll get the money. So maybe you could tell us about a recent client experience you had um, without sharing any you know, confidential information, the problems they were facing, um, how you got involved and how you were able to help fix Mm -hmm. things or, or make the situation much better. 
Okay. The recent one actually is a client come to see me after a revenue officer actually contacted them. Oh, okay. Because when you have actually a bigger liability usually, they assign it to a special agent to IRS. They are actually more knowledgeable, have more training, and they have more power, of course. So they can actually issue lien, find federal tax lien, and it can issue levy and everything. Okay. So client actually came see me after a revenue officer left a message on their, his phone. So he reached out to me and, you know, we filed a power of attorney and I am actually working with the revenue officer. Before doing that, actually, the client actually had almost $300,000 liability. We actually managed some planning, actually, that I mentioned. And hopefully in a week or so, we are going to have an installment agreement because he was not qualified for any other program than the installment agreement. Usually, first thing first, everybody actually wants to settle with the IRS. You know, they call yeah. it, you know, the settlement, the offering right. compromise. I always actually check the client's finances to see if they qualify for offering compromise because of course it's the best program. Yeah. But I think less than 10 percent actually qualify for offering mm-hmm. compromise. Other than that, usually it's going to be an installment agreement, some kind of penalty abatement, removing some penalties, or in the cases that they can't afford to pay anything, we are actually putting them on the hardship program. Mm. So there are different programs and they are actually really good for the people who have their liability. What I mean is there is always hope. There's yeah, always right. a program that can help them kind of resolve or reduce the liability. Yeah. There's no debtor's prison anymore. No. So that's a good thing. No. Okay. Let's let's switch gears, Miriam. I'm curious, is there something that uh, outside of your business, outside of your practice that you are especially passionate about, something personally? I actually like to read about different subjects. Okay. I like to hang out with my, not family, but my friends actually are my family right now. You know, when you move from another country to another country, your friend actually replace your family, you know, kind yeah. of replacing, but they are kind of your family. Right. Uh, one thing that I am adding to my kind of interest is actually traveling. I really didn't have a chance to travel much. So I'm actually adding that to my list of awesome. things I would like to do. Yeah. Do you have a bucket list place that you want to go to? What's your what's your uh, ultimate destination? I'm starting with Europe. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Go big or go home. I like it. That's good. <laughs> Okay, so let's switch back to uh, your business. So what do you feel like is probably the biggest opportunity you see for your business, for your work that you do? You know, I think so long that we are going to have tax in this country and, of course, everywhere, there is always opportunity for my business. You know, there is always a problem and that needs to be solved. But I don't call it actually opportunity. I think it's a dream. I would like to hopefully in a I don't know, maybe a few years, have a low-income tax resolution clinic. Okay. So it's not really an opportunity, it's a dream, and I would like yeah. to have that set up, hopefully, because I do offer, you know, pro bono, and I really mm-hmm. help, I try to help, you know. I started at a tax, you know, human rights attorney, so yeah, right. it's still with me. I don't think actually I can... Uh, yeah. I, I'd be actually even lose that part of me. So I would like actually to have that so I can actually help more people. Right now, I'm not reaching everyone, but hopefully after a while I can. So that's kind of a dream. I don't know if it's fortunately or not. And maybe actually 
I would like to do some kind of maybe teaching. Okay. Educating, especially people that comes from other countries about the tax system Mm -hmm. and the younger generation because, you know, a lot of people who come to see me, if they knew better, they wouldn't be in that problem at all. Yeah, right. Maybe actually I lose my client, but I prefer that. (laughs) Yes, right. That's prevention in advance. I like that. Yeah, And and, uh, the helping people maybe in not the greatest circumstances, it sounds like that's part of your DNA part of who you are. So you, it's impossible. It would be impossible to take that out of you. That's great. So on the flip side of that, Miriam, I'm wondering, is there anything you see as uh, your biggest obstacle or challenge in your business that you uh, are hoping to overcome or that you're struggling with? I cannot say I'm struggling with, but I am a I'm a tax attorney. I really do not like the marketing part of part of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you want to focus on what you do. Yes. I think I'm doing great, but I'm not doing a lot of marketing. To be honest with you, maybe that's the only issue that I have in my law firm. But it seems working because clients reach me. I have enough clients. Maybe, you know, I don't need to be worried about marketing. But at the same time, uh, it's a business. Yeah. You know, that's the only issue that I have. And maybe after a while, I can actually delegate that to someone else because right. I really don't want to. I don't enjoy marketing part of yeah, it. Right. I'm doing that, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. You want to try to get to a point where you can outsource it to somebody competent and then yeah. you can focus on what you do really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if people wanted to learn more about you or contact you, mm-hmm. what would be the best way for them to do that? I have a, as I mentioned, I have a very simple website. They can go actually to mytaxreliefattorney.com. That's the URL for the business. And of course, there's a phone number. I am actually in LinkedIn, not active in Facebook, but I have a Facebook account. So they can reach out to me. So, but the best way actually is going to my website and of course, call me. Awesome. Miriam, thanks. I want to congratulate you. You did a great job. And I want to thank you for being here, taking the time to be with me today. It's been a real pleasure to interview you and thank get you so your much. unique perspective on things, uh, given where you come from and your outlook on life. And I want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in and watching the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are hoping to raise the confidence of everyday people on a financial level to new levels, one show at a time. Thanks everybody for tuning in, watching and listening. We will see you next time. Be well, Miriam. Thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.